0: Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidil mursaleen wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa salama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba'd One of the very important discussions is about the nature of this world uh, Many times when you are listening to a bayan or a khutbah or something there's generally a lot of criticism of aspects of this world or love of this world that's discussed, and then there's a concept called zuhud which is discussed. So, what I want to relate today to you is one of the main hadith, one of the main narrations from the Prophet that discusses the concept of zuhud or renunciation of the world, and I want to try to provide some understanding of. Uh, what is it that's required from us and what exactly is Zuhud? because there's so much misconception about it a lot of the time when you discuss renunciation of the world there are stories and incidents accounts of people who renounced the world and who literally survived on the absolute minimal so generally those are the stories that are showed that are depicted to us to Express what zuhd is, and sometimes that could be misunderstood. So that's why it's very important for us to understand. Firstly, the narration I'm going to mention to you, the narration which I'm going to mention here, is actually considered by many scholars to be one of the four foundational narrations among all of the hadith corpus. If you were to take all of the hadith narrations, and you're to distill it down to try to figure out what, uh, who, which are the few narrations That if we, were to loss, if, we, if we were to be at loss of the rest, if we were to lose the rest These would still be able to provide for us the fundamentals of our deen So you can see it's a very profound narration And that narration is one related by a number of uh, collectors like Ibn Majah uh, With a sound chain uh, along with him number of others as well, Ibn Hibban, Hakim and so on and so forth. Abu'l-Abbas, Sahli ibn Sa'ad al-Sa'idi. Sahli ibn Sa'ad al-Sa'idi radiallahu anhu is the narrator of it. And What he says is that a person came to the Prophet sallallahu wasallam and he asked him a question. He said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, Dullani ala amalin, idha amiltuhu wa That's a... Everybody is looking for this. He says, give me a deed, a practice, some kind of work, which if I do, people will love me and Allah will love me. If people love you and Allah loves you, what else do you need? People means your spouse, your children, your parents and the public at large. And Allah loves you as well. So, subhanAllah, if everybody loves you, they can only love you because they're happy with you for some reason. That's an elixir for absolute success. So what did the Prophet ﷺ tell him? He said, Izhad dunya yuhibbuk Allah." Renounce the world or practice abstinence from the world and Allah will love you and practice abstinence from that which people possess, that which people have. Renounce that and people will love you. Renounce the world and renounce what people have. So what people have is the world anyway. But that's almost like just clarifying a further clarification because if you're renouncing the world then what people have is the world right if people are telling you to do something for the akhirah then that's not the world that's for the akhirah so that's excluded anyway so as i said that this is one of the four really fundamental narrations that tell us some really profound fundamental principle of the deen so allah will love me and people will love me Allah generally, when Allah, the idea of this is that if Allah loves you, then He'll reward you, He'll be pleased with you, He'll be satisfied with you. And if people are happy with you or people love you, then that basically means that they would have a natural inclination towards you, so they probably will not harm you. And if it's Allah providing that love from people, then it means that it's going to be a balanced love, because sometimes somebody is obsessed with you, so they stalk you. So you could have an extreme sense of love as well. Or you don't want their love. And they're trying, you, you don't want the love of certain people. Because then that could get you into trouble. So this is talking about positive love. Because obviously if, they, if you're asking Allah to have them love you in the right way, then it means that they're loving you for the sake of Allah, which is the best love. Because then that's non-selfish love, that's more selfless love. And there's a hadith which kind of gives an understanding of this and how this works together in tandem anyway because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves a person he calls Jibril alayhis salam. So Jibreel alayhis salam is like a lieutenant in that sense and he tells him I love such and such a person you love him. So Jibreel alayhis salam, he just follows orders so he loves and then his job is to actually spread this among the angels so they all begin to love this person and then angels come down to the earth to perform different deeds and functions and jobs and tasks so then people start to love that person because that spread and then mashallah the love of that person positive love for the sake of allah is then entered into everybody's heart so we know that anyway in fact it's also mentioned in the quran allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in surah maryam <coughs> those people who believe and do good deeds say lahumur rahman the rahman the most merciful one will designate for them love, will create for them love, will engender for them love. So that obviously means that you need to believe in Allah and do good deeds in the right way and that will inshallah happen. So what does he mean by renouncing the world then? That's what we want to understand now. What does renouncing in the world? So just in brief first, renunciation of the world just basically means that the world then holds no significance in your sight you do not consider it to be the greatest and most significant factor in your life. And seriously, if that could happen, that will make life so much easier. Because what keeps us up at night or what makes people concerned, even spoils their prayer, is basically when can I get my next shot of the world? Whether that be the phone or somebody or something or an asset or a position or some kind of fame or glory, or influence, or whatever it is. So essentially, all of that just diminishes. Now, generally, you cannot diminish something unless something else becomes more important for you. It's always a replacement because humans have this tendency to always focus on something. Right? If you notice, humans always, they generally focus on something. And if it's nothing else, it's just their own depression. Right? They get obsessed with their own depression and their all state. Right? So, the, re, the, the only way this is going to happen Is if the Akhirah becomes more important That I need to worry about that Accumulate more for that Put away more for that Invest in that Send forth Only then that's going to generally happen Because that's then a healthy replacement of the world So zuhad in this world essentially means That the world becomes diminished in our sight We're no longer deceived by it No longer does, it, does the blink the bling and the glory of it the shine of it beckon us in the same way that's why Allah says the life of this world should not deceive you should not deceive you then Allah also says that the your life of this world is full of <coughs> of play and idle pursuits and embellishment adornment and a means of a means of basically showing off between one another boasting between one another and who has more children who can accumulate a greater mass of wealth (coughs) that's basically the pursuit of this world that's the nature of this world So then Allah will love you. What does he mean by Allah loving you? Allah loving a person in brief is essentially that Allah will then be satisfied with you and he will treat you with excellence. He will have his ihsan, which is he will treat you with beauty. So we will become beautiful souls. Some of us may be very handsome and have outward beauty, but then our akhlaq and character and our souls, our behavior, our emotions, empathy, all of that will become beautiful. So now, how do you define zuhud? We're giving a basic idea. Now let us see what other ulama are saying as to what zuhud is, and we want to then correspond that with other ideas that we've had in our mind about what zuhud is supposed to be. Generally, for a lot of people, zuhud just means that you completely shun the world, and you basically make do with the absolute minimal and and suffer. Right? Is that the case? So one of the most profound statements about zuhud. Uh, from one of our great scholars is what Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal has related, and he takes this actually from a scholar before him whose name is Abu Idris al Khaulani. So he says that Zuhud لَيْسَ Zahada فِي fi dunya bi وَلَا halal, wala mal. Right now, this is you can say it's, it's a definition almost as a response to what he's seen, so it's not like a positive. Uh, definition that he just made up, it's more of a, a repelling definition, trying to remove the misunderstandings. He says, Zuhud in the dunya, renouncing the world, is not by making unlawful the lawful. That which is lawful for you to have, say no, haram, haram. Right? And neither is it by wasting wealth, to have all of your wealth and just basically, literally just fling it away. وَإِنَّمَا الزَّهَادَةُ فِي الدُّنْيَا So what is Zuhd في dunya? What is renunciation of the world? According to Abu Idris Al-Khawlani, he says that أن تكون بما في يد الله أوثق منك في يديك وإن أصبت مصيبتا كنت أشد رجاء, رجاء لأجرها وذخرها من إياها لو بقيت لك So just bear with me. What that means is Zuhd in this dunya, renunciation of this world, just means that you are more you have greater assurance and confidence in that which Allah possesses than in what you possess. So he's not saying that you, don't, that you don't possess anything. You can possess whatever you want. You can possess as much as would give people confidence, but your confidence actually through Allah, not through what you have. So for example, I've got memberships everywhere, whether that be breakdown service, insurance service, boiler repair service, and insurance is for everything you want. And I've got enough wealth to deal with all of that. I can buy whatever I want. I've got everything at my disposal. Imagine it. But that obviously gives confidence, right? right? A lot of people who are very confident is because they know they're connected. So even if an inquiry comes, they know they can maybe make a few, you know, few phone calls. Right? They've got favours as such. Or they've got money to buy things. Uh, if this happens, it's not a problem, we'll just buy another one. What's the big deal? right I've got coverage all of these are confidence givers however for this person despite having everything his tawakkul is in Allah greater because he understands that all of this could actually amount to nothing if Allah so wills and that happens sometimes a person has everything but eventually nothing works and sometimes that happens at the worst time of your life which is at the end of your life look at some of these world leaders or these powerful people where they become degraded towards the end. So that is what zuhud is. Zuhud is essentially a focus on what Allah has and the hereafter and renunciation of this world in terms of its importance that it can't do anything for me without Allah. And so essentially what is being discussed here is that the definition of zuhud here is uh, basically three things isn't it one is that it's uh, it's telling us that this is something to do with the heart zuhud is not an outward expression necessarily zuhud is something to do in the heart that's why some say that you can't really test somebody for zuhud by watching them cuz zuhud is to do with the heart somebody could be enjoying huge amount of luxuries but they could be the greatest zahid in that area because they have no trust in any of this, but they've got it. Allah has given it to them. And you have the likes of those in the Sahaba, right? Uthman <laughs> Look at the amount of wealth he had at his disposal. Abdurrahman ibn Auf, Talha ibn Ubaidillah, Zubayr ibn Awam, they had huge amounts. But they were Zahids. So number one, it is, a, it is something from the heart. It is not an action sometimes you may get an indication but otherwise it's not that that's why abu Suleiman al darani rahimahullah he used to say that la لا li don't testify to anybody that they are a zahid for inna zuhda because zahid is in the heart it's your state i mean it's in the heart what does the second part of what abu idris Khawlani mentioned the first one was that uh, the, the first point was that you're more trusting in what Allah has than what you have even if you have everything and number two if you lose something he says Then, if a musibah comes upon you if a difficulty comes upon you generally difficult comes because you've lost something you don't have something that's a difficulty isn't it I don't have comfort right car broke down lost a child God forbid lost my job you know etc that's kind of that's a musibah that's some of the greatest musibah that a person has lost my health (coughs) now can you you see what i'm saying right it's a loss of something whether it's your health or money or position or whatever so what he's saying now, now this is a tough one this is you have to understand this is more tough he's saying that if you do lose something your hope in its reward that you're getting from allah because of the patience that you're now exercising so your hope in the reward that you're getting for that is far superior and stronger and more intense than for you to ha- want to have not lost that thing and have maintained that thing. So what does that mean? For you to have not lost that thing, whether that be a child or a job or health or whatever, this is much more tough. This is more tough than the first one, right? The, your, your knowledge of the reward and your conviction in the reward you're getting for the sabr that now you have to do right, is more intense you'd rather like that you've got more hope in Allah for the reward of that that is more valuable for you than had you not been in that state and had continued to enjoy the bounty that's not easy that doesn't mean that you start praying that that's what happens to you because there are easier ways to get to paradise but if it does happen to you then that should be your state, that's what Zuhd is so remember we're not asking for that but if that happens and you've lost something then you've lost it this is one of the best solutions this is one of the best suggestions and prescriptions you can have you've already lost it, no point crying over spilt milk but now if you can just understand that a loss If it's going to make you have sabr and patience and trust in Allah, then that means that's a good loss. That's a loss to bring you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If a loss makes you wail and complain, then that is musibah. That is basically a punishment. But if the loss is like, okay, I can deal with this. I'm going to get reward for it. Allah has given me a chance to get reward. It's just another way of looking at it. But it's a very valuable way of looking at it. That's He says, that is what zuhud is. Now, let's move on to a few other points Sufyan Thawri I mean there's numerous uh, Ulama have said numerous things about Zuhd from their perspective We can't go through all of them But Sufyan Thawri, I found his very interesting Al-Zuhdu fi amal Renouncing the world just means that you cut short your huge hopes About the world Yes, extend your hopes about the hereafter But your hopes of the world, I'm going to get this and I'm going to get that If it's purely worldly you'd need to decrease that otherwise that's not Zuhd so Zuhd is just the way you manage your ambitions of this world he says Zuhd is not by eating rough food and giving away good food or giving up good food and it is not by basically wearing coarse coarse over garments and abandoning refined garments of course, if refined garments are too much fitna for you, then you should abandon them. Unless you can change your mindset. Or abandon them for a while, so that the addiction goes. That you do ilajan, that you do as a cure. That you know your, your, your shaykh may tell you, look, you just abandon all of these things for a while. Just so that you can learn to live without it. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's just that you're too infatuated, you're too obsessed. So they might tell you, okay, just stop doing that for a while. Like the Shaykh of Mufti Taqi Uthman, he said, you're not going to give any speeches. He told him and his brother, you're not going to give any speeches until a certain amount of time. Why? Because that time is unhealthy for you. And that's why you get. You get a few people who study a bit, and then they start giving speeches, because then you become famous like that. Ibrahim ibn Adham, I mean, he's an authority on these subjects anyway, because he was a great Zahid. Remember, the whole concept of Tasawwuf, before it became known formally as Tasawwuf or actually called Zuhud. So the early Sufis were all called Zahids. Right? So Ibrahim ibn Adham, I mean, he's a master of this, right? He's mastered the topic. He said Zuhdu Thalathatu Asnaf. Essentially, Zuhd is of three categories, right? Renouncing the world is of three categories. And I've explained what renouncing the world means. Please take out of your mind that it means just shun everything and give everything away, right? It's about the heart. He said, Zuhdun Fardun, There's one aspect of Zuhud which is Fardun, obligatory, like you must do. Zuhdun Fadlun? And then there's the excess level of zuhud, which is a virtue. And then the third one is Zuhdu Salama, which basically means that it's renunciation, which will keep you safe. Otherwise, you could get into big trouble. So what are the three? He says the one that's obligatory is Zuhdu Fil Haram, which has to be done anyway. It's renouncing all unlawful things. This is Haram, this is not permissible, you have to abstain from it. That's clear-cut anyway. So inshallah that much zuhud we're trying to do anyway. The second one, he said, "A zuhdu <coughs> um, <"Al-Zuhdu> al-Fadl is <coughs> Al-Zuhdu fil halal. The, the, the one which is meritorious and the one which is full of virtue, which is not obligatory, is in halal things. So don't, don't have too much of them. So if you can get by with five uh, pairs of shoes, which is quite a lot already, right? don't have a sixth one. Right? I mean when I say shoe meaning sandals, slippers, you know, I mean all of that, I don't mean like five pairs of shoes. Although to be honest with some people five pairs are less. So you don't need a sixth one, right? you have to cut down, you have to really prune, there's a concept of tajreed. So this is halal stuff, if I can get by <clears throat> by eating this much then I should not eat more. For example, that is zuhud fil halal, that's virtue. And Zuhd al salama, the one that you stay safe, that kind of renunciation you stay safe with, is in doubtful matters. So you'd rather avoid more than risk more. So it's a doubtful kind of case. I don't have a fatwa for it, but I know it's doubtful. My heart is telling me it's doubtful. Just avoid. That Zuhd is what you practice there. Imam Ahmad, he also said that Zuhd is of three, tri, uh, three types, which again, the first one is to abandon the haram. And abandoning the haram that much even the common folk do. I mean, or expect it to do, because everybody avoids haram. Then he says, the, he takes this as a higher level uh, as compared to the previous dis- division. He said the second level is essentially to abandon all excesses in even halal. As I said, you know, the, the next pair of shoes or the next jacket or the next handbag. Right, or another phone or whatever the case is, or an extra dish of food. So tarkul fudul mil al halal. It's halal, but it's excess. Wahu It says if you want to get somewhere, you want to be somebody special, then that you're gonna to have to do this zuhud. Right? Unless you want to just stay with the riffraff If you don't want to do that and you wanna be somebody special in the sight of Allah, you need to at least do this. And he said the first, third one is tarku مَا يَشْغُلْ عَنِ الله. Anything that will detract you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Anything, even if it's halal right? Even if it's halal, even if it's virtuous But there's something of greater virtue And the shaitan is telling you to do this instead of that one This ibadat instead of that one Then that is the zuhud of the arifin. Only the very refined people with understanding they, they know exactly what to choose and what not to choose in that case Okay, the third subject we, we need to cover is what is it that will help us with zuhud? How do you create zuhud? How do you instill zuhud? How do you increase your zuhud? So there are several factors, right? Because this is, I think, the most important point. We all know the importance of zuhud. Inshallah, we've clarified what zuhud really is. Now let us try to understand what is it that helps us, Inshallah, to imbibe ourselves with zuhud. Al-hasil al-hamil ala zuhud, basically. Number one, istihdārul akhirah. That is probably the most effective thing. The fact that you can remember there's an akhirah. We, we it's in our belief, by the way. It's a tenet of faith. Without that, we can't be Muslim. But it's about to bring it in the forefront, like it's hanging down in front of us all the time. It's like there's an akhirah. There's an akhirah. There is something to go beyond this world. There's a paradise. There's a hell. It just makes life so much easy, because then you don't see the world for the world only. You see it in comparison for the hereafter. That's for me, that's the greatest benefit. When you see it in comparison, like for example, like you sometimes think, subhanallah, look at that person, he's got that. I wish I could have that. But you know that to try to get that, it's gonna take away from your deen. Or it might not take away from your deen, but it might take away from your service of the deen. It may take away from worship, it may take away it may, may occupy you. Okay, I could have done that business as well. MashaAllah, look how much money he made doing that business. Well, I could have done that as well. But you know what? I'm teaching. If I get into that business, I won't be able to teach. See what I'm saying? So how, 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 how does that help? The only way you could actually use that as a sacrifice say, what I'm doing, my teaching, is hopefully going to get me better in the hereafter. It's clearly not better in the world maybe, because he's making more money than I am. right? And he's got more luxury goods than I have. But if I think of the hereafter now and in Jannah mashaAllah, you know or for example for men a lot of the time it's about their eyes wandering to other women right they may even be married happily but their eyes wonder because in the insana right the human the man has been created weak and that's his weak, one of the man's weaknesses so how do you deal with that and then you hear so-and-so's got this and so-and-so's done this and that guy's enjoying that and that guy's enjoying that that shaitan beckons you. Think of the hereafter. And that's where the powerful depiction of al hurul Ain. come on. right? That's the powerful depiction in the Quran of al hurul Ain, The pleasures of paradise. Otherwise how else would you sustain? Allah has perfected it. And that's the power of the belief in the Akhirah. The power of the belief in the Akhirah is that it helps to diminish lusts and desires of this world that you can't have. So that's why And this idea for fear is that One day I'm going to stand in front of my Lord, my Creator What am I going to say? What am I going to say? That's an additional idea to how I'm going to enjoy paradise In order to get to paradise, we're going to have to go through a reckoning What about that? That's a fear aspect See the aspect of paradise is a hope aspect That gives you hope but you can't, life cannot be all hope, otherwise, you will do things which are wrong. That's why the fear has to be there, and the fear is that I'm going to stand in front of my Lord on the day of <coughs> judgment. Okay, that's the first thing. Number two, istihdar anna lathatid dunya shagilatin quloobi anilah. To come to this realization that everything of this dunya is, does, has the potential to occupy you from Allah, it's a detraction. Right? And every time you see something as a distraction, suddenly it will diminish in your sight. And if you, if you don't see it as a distraction, meaning you've thought of it and it's not a distraction, it means it's probably valid if you're of sound, if you're of sound Iman. So I've got a nice car and it's not distracting me. Right? So I, I was picked up by somebody in a, in a city I went to give a talk and he had a nice BMW. And he, you could tell he loved this car. Right? And again, I'm not making any judgments here, but he even had it where when you open the door at night, it would display, uh, this was the driver's door and the passenger, it would display a, a, a bright BMW logo on the ground. Because he'd had these special holograms or whatever they call fitted under the door. So when the door opened, then you would basically step onto a nice BMW hologram. Now, I'm sure that's not by default. I'm sure that's something you add, right? That is distraction I think personally Unless he's not distracted And again I can't judge that But for me that just sounds like it would distract me Because imagine you have to find it, check it, get it, get the best one, then fit it That's a lot of time man For what? So that you can step into a puddle of a BMW You see what I'm saying? (laughs) Subhanallah Right? Right? And he's a religious guy, this guy it was like, you know, he's a religious guy. He's not like, you know, alhamdulillah, he's trying to be a religious person. But you just have these loves sometimes. Right? Now if that doesn't distract him, alhamdulillah, maybe he bought it like that. Look, I'm not judging him. Maybe he bought it like that. He got a good deal, he bought it like that. Right? Because you see, the, the verse in the Quran is, You will surely be questioned about your bounties. You're going to be surely questioned about your bounties. <coughs> Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar If you just look at, you know Abu Haritha radiyallahu anhu said that Once the Prophet said that Asbahta mu'minan haqqan. He said, have you spent this morning as a true believer? And Well actually he said to the Prophet that You know this morning I feel like a true believer So the Prophet said You know Every mu'min, there's a, a truth, judgment for him. Like, you know, there, there has to be a reality to what you say. So, فَمَا حَقِيقَةُ imanik. What is the reality of your faith that you're saying, Today morning, I've uh, spent it with, true, you know, with, with proper iman. So, subhanAllah, he said, صَرَفْتُ نَفْسِي عَنِ الدُّنْيَا Like, I've basically uh, turned my ego away from the dunya فَاسْتَوَىٰ Hajaruha So basically everything of this dunya is the same for me now. وَكَأَنِّي أَنظُرُ إِلَىٰ عَرْشِ رَبِّي And my vision is of, my, is of the throne of my Lord totally there manifest and evident. He's seeing this. That's why he's saying that. وَكَأَنِّي أَنظُرُ إِلَىٰ أَهْلِ الْجَنَّةِ فِي الْجَنَّةِ يَتَنَعْمُونَ And it is as if I'm seeing the people of Jannah Enjoying themselves in paradise. I get that vision. Wa ila ahlin nari fī And the people of hellfire, they're being punished in the hellfire. That's another vision I'm having. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Ya haritha. Arafta Falzam. You you've recognized it. You have it. You got it. Like that's the reality. Now make sure you stick by that. Make sure you continue to adhere to that. Now if that's our concept, Alhamdulillah. If that's our idea in the morning, may Allah give us this bounty. Um, number four, to basically think, uh, the, 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 uh, or the number three actually, number three, كَثْرَةُ التَّعْبِ فِي الدنيا. Just ponder over all the difficulty and all the toil that you have to undertake, the hours you have to spend in acquiring different parts of this world. Especially the more refined you get, the more you have to work behind it. Just think of that, why? Where is it going to get you? The dunya, but this is the excess we're talking about. That's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, uh, The Prophet said, <laughs> That had the dunya uh, equated according to uh, you know to Allah in the sight of Allah, had it equated to even the wing of a b'auda. What's a b'auda? A mosquito's wing. Even that much insignificant, almost. You you crush mosquitoes, you kill them. Generally, that's what they do when you buzz around you. He said, if they if it did, then he would not have fed the disbeliever even a sip of water. But he does it because it's not a big deal. The dunya is not a big deal. It's only food for basically greater indulgence and further, uh, and it can just take you more away from Allah. And uh, number four is istihzar annadunya maluuna. Uh, in the hadith it mentions that um, the world can be accursed right it's a curse if it takes you away from the hereafter essentially so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to remind us al-hayat you'd constantly give preference to the to the uh, to the life of this world whereas the the hereafter, don't you know, it's perpetual, it's forever. This one is 70 years old, 60 years, 60 years, 50 years, full of miseries, maybe difficulties, maybe ill health. That one is going to be paradise. قُلْ الدُّنْيَا قَلِيلٌ As much as you may enjoy it, remember the indulgence of this world is just for us, it's very minimal. Again, you can only think of that, otherwise 70 years is a lot. 50 years is huge, right? Especially if you're 30 years old or 40 years old. you still think I've got 40 years but when you get to 70 then I don't know I haven't experienced that yet right but by that time, you think like oh now what's left because now you see it coming right you're getting to the end that's probably why a lot of people sort themselves out at that time except the really weird ones so that's why it says at the end of the day your indulgence in this world is for a short amount of time and the Akhirah is superior for the one who fears his Lord Right, this life of this world should not deceive you. It should not basically deceive you about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now what we have to understand, uh, just, just so now, after you read all of this, it gives this impression that the dunya is bad. Right? Dunya is bad. So everything around you is bad. Subhanallah. That is not what it means. Right? Th- think about this is a... This is the crux of this. So firstly, what is dunya for us? Dunya is place and time, right? Dunya for us is essentially place and time. So the place we're in, which is the earth and everything on it, intrinsically it's not bad. And time, which is basically every day that passes when the night comes and then the day comes and night comes again, day comes, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. So what's the problem? So all of all the criticism... Of the world essentially is about the way people react to the world the way people deal with the world the way people treat the world what people do with the world and what the dunya what they allow the world to do to them because the dunya is silent right the food is there staring at you the nice car is there it's not I mean I know you get smart cars but you know at the end of the day it's you allow yourself to be influenced by this so Remember the world necessarily is not unless it's pure shaitan and shaitani, right? That's a different issue of shaitan, that's bad. But otherwise, in general, your extra jacket is not bad. It's what how we treat it. It's how we deal with it, what it allow it, what, what what we allow to, it to do to us. Um, so, uh, what helps us, Ibn Rajab al hanbali he says that. When it comes to the dunya, the humans are divided into two categories in terms of their interaction with the dunya. The first is the one who basically, who just deny the hereafter. They, they don't believe in the hereafter, right? They think this is all, the world is all you got and you just have a good time in this world. You make the best of it and there is no hereafter, right? And these are who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ la yarjuna liqa'ana." وَرَضُوا بِالْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا بِهَا that verily these are the people who have no hope in meeting us they're absolutely satisfied with this worldly life and they've become fully comforted by it وَالَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ آيَاتِنَا غَافِلُونَ they basically ignore all of our signs right, because of what they used to earn their eventual end is in the hellfire that's Surah Yunus right? so that's the first category the second category then he says in terms of interaction with the world is those who do confess to the fact that there is a death, there is thawab and reward, there is the reward and punishment and these are basically any people throughout history who've attributed themselves to a prophet of the time. So the Muslims now, the Jews before, the Christians before and so on and so forth. Those who are followers of Isa A.S. Musa a.s. However, the problem now is that this group like us these are then divided into a further three categories. Allah mentions these three categories in the Quran as well, right? فَمِنْهُمْ ظَالِمٌ لِنَفْسِهِ وَمِنْهُمْ مُقْتَصِدٍ وَمِنْهُمْ سَابِقٌ بِالْخَيْرَاتِ In every group you'll have these three categories. So the first group which is ظَالِمٌ those who are oppressing themselves, though they have this belief of the hereafter, they know this world is temporary, but they are constantly oppressing themselves. They're not giving themselves the best chance. They're basically, that's why they're risking too much. All right? And these are basically people who've just indulged too much in the world. They've allowed the, the, the world to affect them. They're emotionally attached. They can't detach themselves. Because they don't realize the maqsood of the dunya. They don't understand the, the, what a dunya can do. They don't understand the perils of the world, the risks of the world. They've not done a risk assessment essentially right, as well. The second group is basically muqtasid. They're decent. They're passing through. They're moderate. So these are the people who <coughs> understand the world to a certain degree. So they avoid the haram. They don't allow it to overindulge them, and they don't allow it to—they uh, they don't allow it to mislead them, right? But they are a bit too much into the indulgences, uh, permissible. So they. Too much food too much clothing too much cars position whatever it's halal it's not haram so that's what they do they enjoy too much the additions and the problem with that so what's the problem with that and this is interesting Umar anhu Ibn Umar radiyallahu anhu is a uh, sahih transmission from him he says la yusibu shay'an illa min fil he says any additional thing you earn in this world beyond the necessity that is how much of your level will be decreased in the hereafter of paradise that's a tough one meaning it's a tough one not to think about that or to correct that because we think we're not alhamdulillah I'm not committing haram I'm doing my salat I'm just overindulgent, and that's why now abu Bakr an was w- once brought uh, some water he wanted some water so he brought some water and he drank it and it was sweetened because you know the water was always not very pleasant so it was a hit or miss that's so why they had certain wells which were good but so sometimes they would make nabeev they would add some dates or raisins or something to sweeten it so he was brought like a sweet drink is it i asked for water you know when you go to somebody's house you ask for water they don't give you water today they? they give you a drink right so he was given a drink and he cried he says, why are you crying for? He says, oh, I'm just worried that I've had this excess here from his standard, so that much is going to be decreased in the hereafter. And you can never think like that until, unless the hereafter becomes a reality, right? And that's why another hadith says, In Allah." The Prophet said, in Allah, ifa ahaba abden, min dunya kama yazillu ahadukum yahmi saki'mahu min al Right? He protects you from the dunya. In the same way that if somebody is ill and he can't touch water, you would protect him. No, 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 you can't touch water. It's like that, if it's bad for you. And that's why dunya, Sijnul Mu'min wa Kafir. That makes complete sense now, right? That dunya is prison for the believer and a um, paradise for the disbeliever. That was the second group, right? Muqtasid, they're decent. And the third group is sabiqun bil Khairat, they're forerunners. They're pioneers, they're ahead of the game. All right? And these are the people who've understood the world totally. The facade is gone. They know exactly the world. And that's why Ali stands in the member, he's doing tahajjud. He finishes the tahajjud and then he says to the world, Ghurri Ghairi, Abantuki. Like I've basically given you three divorces. Right? With "La raja fihi Like no, no coming back. Like I've, I've divorced you completely. Right? And uh, subhanallah. That's why uh, they've realized that إِنَّا لَجَاعِلُونَ aliha عَلَيْهَا and juruzah, All of this world and everything, we're just going to make it into completely an empty ground. It's going to be nothing left, right? And all these verses and so on and so forth, the hadith of the Prophet What have I got to do with the world? I've just come, I'm resting for a bit and I'm going to carry on. This is not my final abode. May these things become a reality for us. However, this doesn't mean that you indulge in nothing of the world, right? And where are we getting this from? From the Prophet ﷺ. So now look at what the Prophet ﷺ says. These people, they're sabiqun bil khayrat, but they do allow themselves some of the pleasures of this world. Uh, a person at this level doesn't mean that he has no pleasure of this world. He just understands their reality. So he doesn't indulge in them in this crazy way. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't enjoy the give me a shoulder. Give me another one. Give me another one. When he had meat, he enjoyed it. Right? And he himself, this is a hadith related by Imam Ahmad al-Nasai, says that the Prophet said, Hubbiam in dunya kum an From your dunya, women and perfume has been made beloved to me. Right? SubhanAllah absolute you know honest confession i love my perfume and i love my women i mean you can't say that today can you because the only way you can love your women is if you have more than one wife that's a difficult one otherwise how are you going to love your women right so the prophet sallallahu could say that that's a narration of aisha radiallahu anha the, actually this is another narration now. Imam uh, Ahmad relates from Aisha radiallahu anha that the Prophet she says that the Prophet There were three things that actually the Prophet loved of this world. That was f- women, food, women, perfume and food. For asabah He did receive a share of women and perfume, but not food. That's why his food was very basic. But he had nine wives. And of course, there were reasons for why he had that. And he used to love his perfume. And he had a natural perfume anyway. So he was given from that. But food, that's probably maybe more harmful. right? Even in the permissible sense. Well, no. Not necessarily. If you just have good food at small quantities, that's okay. right? But he just didn't have that. So, تناول الشهوات المباحة بقصد التقوى على الطاعة يُصَيِّرُهَا طَاعَاتِ فَلَا مِنَ الدُّنْيَا Remember that. But only the very attuned ones and refined ones will be able to do this. That's why it's best that we forsake it in the beginning. He says that, uh, basically, he's saying that for people to get into halal pleasures with an intention that they refresh them and invigorate them to doing good and taqwa And obedience will make those same will make them into obedient acts so for example being with the wife for a man to reinvigorate himself for the right reason is actually a source of reward even though it's an absolute act of pleasure see what I'm saying use good perfume so that you remember Allah and paradise because paradise has good sense that becomes a rewarding act for you, but it can only be done for the one who gets the intention right. That takes a while. الدنيا, then it's no longer dunya for you. Because remember, we said dunya is your interaction, not the actual physical commodity of the world. That's what renunciation is. Renunciation is how you deal with it. But that's obviously a very high-level, fine-tuned idea, right? It's a mastery of it. That's why... Uh, Hakim relates that the Prophet ﷺ said right? What a beautiful thing is this dunya How wonderful is this worldly abode For the one who takes from it provisions For his hereafter So indulge in this world For the sake of the hereafter And that becomes permissible, not just permissible, it becomes a source of closeness to Allah. But it's very difficult to do. Because we always do it for the wrong reason. Our hearts aren't made, that's why. حَتَّى يَرْضَ Until His Lord gets happy. satid dar And how despicable is the dunya liman saddat بِهِ عَنْ akhirati For the one who essentially uses it to block the hereafter. Wa بِهِ عَنْ رِضَى رَبِّهِ And basically stops him uh, from... Uh, Gaining his Lord's satisfaction. How do we then gain the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How do we acquire the love of Allah? The way we gain the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is by controlling the way we deal with this world. So essentially zuhud you can say is controlling the way you deal with this world and to do it in the right way. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves the people who are obedient to Him. Loving Allah and loving Allah with it, sorry, loving Allah and loving the dunya is very difficult to do together. But then loving the dunya for the sake of Allah is possible. That's the, that's the difficult part. So you see sometimes some very people close to Allah, right? And all the signs are there, but they have the world. They have got the dunya. Imam Malik, rahimahullah, used to wear good clothing. Somebody came and came and was like, that is not Right? you know so and so he's like this and he's like that he says well we do this and we make toba <coughs> right we do istighfar imam abu hanifa could be known by the perfume that the trail of perfume he left behind him right so that's why he, he's saying here that uh, that it's difficult to have the love of both because you just can't come into the heart together right and how do you how do you, uh, The other part of the hadith, we can't ignore that. The other part was that he wanted love from people, right? So we've been talking about love for the Akhirah, love for Allah. What about love from people? How do you get that? Essentially, stop competing with them. That, that's what the hadith says. Stop wanting what's in their hand. And what do they want? They want the whole dunya. So when you stop loving the dunya, you're not going to love what people want. So they're not going to think of you as a threat. Now think of it, right? There's a lot of people you don't like just because you think they're a threat. They want the position that you have. They want the to be of the same status, of having the same car, have the same, whatever it may be. So that's why you feel competition. So now, if you look around and you think of somebody that's just a nice guy, right? that's just a very nice guy, it could be many factors, but one of the biggest factors is going to be that you don't see that person as a competition. He, he doesn't want what you want. And if there's somebody who comes to stay with you and is constantly like, hey, what about, where would you get that from? Can I get some as well? It's irritating. Whereas you've got somebody who's with you, he just doesn't care about it. He enjoys it, but he doesn't care about it. You think, alhamdulillah, this is a nice guy. Right? So that's a secret. Um, that's why Hassan Basri rahimahullah, says, لَا يَزَالُ rajulu عَلَى النَّاسِ مَا لَمْ يَطْمَعْ فِي A person will remain honorable and noble in, in the eyes of people until he wants what they want then they will start to consider him despicable I mean it could lead to this level. That's why uh, a, a Bedouin said to the people of one, somebody in Basra, he says, who's your leader in this, in this city? So they said, Hassan Basri. So he says, how did he become your leader? He's not the official leader by the way, right? He said because uh, people needed his knowledge, and he didn't need their dunya. So he's independent of them, but they need him. May Allah make us. So the, the Bedouin is like, ma ahsana dharik. that's wonderful. And to be honest, scholars have the ability, right, to be like that until they mess it up. Because remember, if you've got a leader like a king or a prince or a, a president or a prime minister, and they, or a governor or a minister or a counselor, they have a certain position and a certain effect and a certain awe, right? But that's because they've been elected and you just have to sometimes. But when it, ulama, they're not elected, it's because of the knowledge from Allah that they have. So they actually have greater power as long as they don't mess it up. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to preserve it for us and, uh, and, and, and so on. So that's why to finalize this idea of zuhud that you must just abandon everything and not use nothing and just stay on the absolute minimalist basics. Right? That's very difficult for the majority of people and that's not for the majority of people. The few people who would have liked that was Umar who had the heart to be able to deal with that. Then that's their zuhid if that's what they wanted and the Prophet ﷺ. But we've seen with the Prophet ﷺ that he did have certain pleasures that he took as well. So Alhamdulillah that gives us an understanding. We ask Allah to help us and, clari- and uh, give us further clarity and give us the clarity of making everything we use in this world to be for the sake of the hereafter because that would make life easy for us wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillah rabbil alamin allahumma salam wa minkas salam tabaarak ya hadhal jalali wal ikram allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina muhammad wa barik wa sallim allahumma ghfir lana warhamna wa 'afina wahdina wa rizqna allahumma ya zal jalali wal ikram allahumma ya ma'din al joodi wal Ya Khair al Mesulin, wa ya Khair al Moutin, ya Arham al Rahimin, Yer Hamna be Rahmatin Toghina beha an Rahmatiman siwak. Allahumma filna, worhamna, wa afina, wa hdina, wa rezukna. Allahumma filly ummati sayyidina, Mohammedin sallallahu alayhi wasallam sallam. Allahumma filly Moutan al Mustimin al latina shahidun, a kabil wahdaniati wa matu ala valik. Allahummafir liwali dina, wali masha ichina, wali o ladina, allahummafir lana, wali wali dina, wali masha ichina, wali assati the tina, wali o ladina, wali aswajina, wali tulabina, wali ichwanina, wali achawatina, wali astirkaina, wali kuliman o sana biddura. Allahummafir lahumor ham hum waafi anhum. اللهم اغثل للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الاحياء منهم والأموات Ya Allah, we ask you for your special mercy We ask you for your forgiveness We ask you for your purity Oh Allah, we ask you for your guidance Oh Allah, we ask for your special guidance Oh Allah, we ask for your acceptance Oh Allah, purify our hearts Give us a life of purity and taqwa Oh Allah, we ask that you grant us understanding Grant us discernment Allow us to see the truth as the truth, and allow us to follow it; the wrong as the wrong, and allow us to abstain from it. O oh Allah, we ask that You grant us true zuhud of this dunya. You allow us to see the dunya for what its for. O oh Allah, You only allow us permissible and meritorious pleasures of this world. O oh Allah, and that You grant us sovereign patience from the haram and <coughs> the the. The haram and the negative pleasures of this world, O oh Allah, we ask that You give us a life of a, a life of purity, a life of Your love, O oh Allah. Fill our hearts with Your love, O oh Allah, and fill our hearts with Your love and grant us the love of those whose love benefits us in Your court, O oh Allah. We ask that You make us keys of goodness and protect us from being keys and forces of evil. O Allah, we ask that you protect us from all the ill traits, whether they be physical, whether they be spiritual. O Allah, we ask that you grant us all the praiseworthy traits in our heart. You remove our blameworthy traits. O Allah, whatever people have come here for, whatever people are listening for, O Allah, you grant them their permissible permissible needs. O Allah, bring us all close to you. O oh Allah, draw us all close to you. O oh Allah, especially on our deathbed, keep the shaytan away from us. O oh Allah, do not allow him to play with mischief with us on our deathbed. Grant us the kalimah la ilaha illallah. Oh Allah, make our spouses and our progeny a source of gladness and coolness for our sight. O oh Allah, O oh Allah, we ask that you make the best part of our life the final part of our life. and The best day of our existence, the day that we stand in front of you. And that you want to meet us and we want to meet you. O Allah, O Allah, we ask that you grant us a good death, a good seeding state. And O Allah, you bless all of those who've passed away. O Allah, those of our relatives, our connections who have passed away. O Allah, we ask that you grant us and accept us for the service of your deen. O Allah, that you grant us a right and you save us from the fitna and the trials and the tribulation and the challenges that we are surrounded with. O Allah, we ask that you... Send your abundant blessings on the Muslim world and you remove whoever is feeling, whoever is experiencing suffering and persecution and oppression. O oh Allah, that you grant them respite and you keep us protected. O oh Allah, we ask for the ease of the rest of this life and life full with your satisfaction. O oh Allah, grant us your satisfaction. O oh Allah, be satisfied with us. Oh Allah, accept our duas and grant you abundant blessings on the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun alal mursalin walhamdulillahirabbil